So we we uh, postponed this uh, recording by a week because the roads were shitty last week and I didn't want to drive. Um, well, the reason for that, uh, so I haven't had like a commute to work in like 10 years. I've worked like 10 minutes from home for the last 10 years at least. Um, now I have this commute, so I drive from one town to the next super early in the morning. Well, the first big snowstorm we had a couple weeks ago, um, literally right in front of me, like three car lengths ahead of me, there was this massive accident. Um, and you the, watched it happen? Yeah, oh yeah. I felt, I could literally physically feel... Like the impact? The impact. Yeah. What happened? So um, it's like, you know, 6.30 in the morning or whatever. It's real early in the morning. I'm leaving Bellevue, small town, kind of a back road to Battle Creek. Um, roads are super shitty, really, really bad. Um, so I go pretty slow, right? Like I'm taking my time going like 35, maybe 40. Cause I'm literally like, it's not really plowed. It's super icy. Um, and this car comes up behind me and I knew it. I knew as soon as he was coming that he was going to pass me. So he started to get over, started to just gun it. And it was snowy. Yeah. Really snowy. Yeah. Um, I see headlights. Right, he the headlights were there before he got over to pass me, so he. Oh, just, this is like a goes a, a two lane, yeah, like two, single. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes, um, and started to get over right, and just started spinning over and over and over. Like behind you, kind and of right in front, right in front. Oh, so he had passed you and then just started spinning. Yeah. So as soon as he started to pass me, I I foot off the gas. You yeah, know, started to get over. Um, and he's spinning like three, four times when he tried to cut back over to get in our lane. Oh, jeez. Um, and the car coming just had no fucking chance jeez. to stop. Um, and T-Bone, this guy, hit him really hard because he was going fast, right? And oh, he's spinning geez. fast and she's going fast and just crushed him. So um, here I am, like, stop the car. Uh Pause the podcast, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I jump out and I run over the car, uh, the first car. Then the, the guy pulls up behind me. Apparently, it's his kid. Oh my god! Right? So I didn't know, you know, as a kid, it was like eighteen year old, nineteen year old kid, um, just doesn't Jeez. know any better than to gun it and try to pass someone. Jeez, um, he was really fucked up. Yeah. So like he was, you know, half conscious. Um, so you like went up to the car? Yeah, oh and yeah. Stuff. yeah, I went up to and you know his dad is there, so I didn't spend much time. Like I went to the next car because yeah. his dad's trying yeah. to check on him. And this lady um, had glass from something like in her arm, and it was just lots and lots of blood. Jeez. So I ran back to my car and got like some thing that Jess had, like in the like a scarf or something in the back, you know whatever I could find. Ran back. Um, she had already had something, you know, was holding it. Um, then the, by now there's like cars all over backed up and, sure. um, trying people call in the cops and the whatever. So, Jeez. um, yeah, it was gnarly. It was, it was nasty. Hmm. I think they were both okay. Like, like, you know, again, she was, she just looked really cut up like on her arms and he was, I don't know how it all turned out, but, um, so since then, um, I'm a little anxious, <laughs> you know, like I'm, you know, <laughs> to drive white knuckled when the roads aren't good. Yeah. So. I get that.
So, dude, arena simulation. Like 50 50. 50? I mean, so you're there's at, a lot. There's a lot to, to get into. You <laughs> so you say right in. you say fifty percent chance. I, well, like according to a lot of philosophers and stuff like that, there's maybe like a fifty percent chance. I what's you know, yours? My, like you, me. What is your percentage at? So after I got really baked. <laughs> well, tell the story. Tell the story. Like tell the tell that story and then tell the other one. What's the other one? The, Dave, uh, the one about David. my kid. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so tell, tell the story. It's, so we started hard. having this conversation um, a long time ago. Yeah. Like, you know, like when we first started doing the podcast, where we were doing, you know, conversation about the simulation theory. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I've been, wanting then, to, I've been wanting to do this for so long, but it's, yeah. so, it's such a dense topic. It's, yeah. hard to, it's hard to pull everything together. So I'm going to try to tell this as concisely as I can. I, uh, I I went about 12 years or so without smoking pot, really drinking, like doing it because I just, you know, I did a lot of that in my early 20s and I came to a place where I was like, I really value my lucidity. I value not, you know, um, not having that kind of fog that comes with, with all of that. Uh, and then I got uh, this job where it's almost like in this industry, it's like, encouraged basically and and it was like okay i'll try this again i'm a real grown-up now um you know so i so i dived into this just a just a little bit um and got one of these um i just thought oh just a couple puffs because i really have no idea what this is going to do and then i went and laid down and went to the 11th dimension (laughs) not the fourth no no no, not the fifth no 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 (laughs) the 11th Um, right and i've been you know like i said in my early 20s i smoked a lot of pot like i i smoked pot every day for a stretch of you know almost a year probably um so it's not foreign to you know how this works like i get it i understand it this um but this i got so fucking high that um i'm pretty sure I, you know, touched the fabric of, like, I unplugged myself from the matrix a little bit. Uh, but this, so, like, as this is What going, was the experience like? Like, Well, that's the thing. It's hard. It's, it, you know, in a way, like, a, like, if you wake up from a dream, it's hard to, like, pull all the details out and, yeah. like, yeah, you know, put it all together. Um, but the, the way I would describe it is, at first, it was like, a, like I was being pulled on this train. Like, I was being dragged through this hell like it was awful i was like this it was terrifying like i was hallucinating horrible things it was really bad it was really scary um and then uh started to try to get control you know my brain a little bit and like you know remember that like this is just you know temporary everything's okay so you had some lucidity yeah even through the experience i knew where i was and i knew yeah but i thought i started to have these thoughts that seemed very 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 real that it's all bullshit like like all of it right yeah and then there was this point that i got to where like um i felt digital really yeah um you know again i can't i can't really um i can't really explain in super great detail what that meant but just that i felt like um like i i don't know like i just felt 
fake. What was time like during all of this? Great question. So that actually brings brings me back to that moment a little bit because I saw, like I said, I was being pulled through this like almost he- like it was just this terrifying thing where I was being pulled down this pathway, yeah. um, and it, and it was at the same time kind of reliving all of the horrible things that I hate about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, that can happen when you get really high, I guess. But, <laughs> Paranoia. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's common. It's just like, Typically, disconnecting from the matrix is not as common as paranoia yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I experienced that where, like, you know, I'm seeing, and it was good things, too. It was, like, just kind of seeing, okay, yep, this, you know, memory feels really vivid and, and real. Yeah. But then I felt like I was seeing, um, it sounds crazy but I'm talking about being really stoned so um, I saw like what seemed like my kids as adults and like like future things you know and, and obviously that could have been my imagination it could projections have been, sure just what I you know hope or expect um, or fear right all of that kind of plugged into this kind of experience I had but I walked away like the the key thing that um, stuck with me was how I just felt my existence was fake. Like my, you know, that my, um, my very being, my um, physically and emotionally, everything that I just was not real. Hmm. Not like fake in the sense that I'm putting on a mask to no, but you, bullshit, you know. Like, but like the definition of reality. Exist. Like I literally don't exist. But yeah. You know, that there's something, you know, my brain interpreted it as digital, yeah. Um, you know, but what it actually was, I don't know. But well, I mean, uh, if you define reality, like what is real, you know? Because um, I know you're going to tell the next story, which is cool. But if we just take a quick second, if we just define what is real, like everything you're, <laughs> Andy's poking me, and I can feel it. So therefore, seems I would, pretty real to me. Andy likes it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems real. Um, but here's the thing, like, if you define reality in any capacity, um, re- reality is what we perceive and observe constantly when we are conscious, you know? Um, if you were to take my brain and put it in a jar and feed it impulses, it, 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 the difference between that, like a human brain in a jar, that's like the classic experiment, versus what we see and feel and hear on a daily basis really is nothing. Like, there's no difference between those two. And the idea that we are just brains and jars being fed electrical impulses is not entirely, it, it, I mean, it, it's not, it, it's probable. It, that's a probable thing. I mean, it's not, it's probably not as possible as the simulation theory, but it's probable. I mean, it could, this could be, like there could be highly interdimensional elephants running Everything, all of the human brains and jars feeding it impulses with the supercomputer, and boom, we have Earth and our solar system. But is it brains or is it computer chips? <laughs> and that's kind of where <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of where things get weird. Um, but you, you have a continuing story, right? Yeah, and I told this on the last episode, so I'll. I'll try to cut this no 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 like i want to hear it in its entirety okay um so 
so after this is after that experience where I started, you know, how did that? I was so, aware of simulation theory. So you're aware of simulation like, theory beforehand. Yeah, but you were kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Well, Whatever. I've also heard like there's connecting stories about like if you listen to Joe Rogan and like the, you know. DMT experiences that he talks yeah. about, and that you know that there's then that you get down, going down this rabbit hole um, where there's just weird stuff that almost seems like connects. You know, there's a lot of dots that connect with all this. So I, I was aware of that vaguely, you know, in my head, and kind of interested in that as a um, post evangelical person yeah. who, who's open to exploring stuff and trying to understand experiences. So all of that is you know kind of back here somewhere, including that. Um, so all of those crazy. experiences yeah. that, that you kind of heard and were opened up to, and then yeah. you experienced this. So wh what yeah. is your level after this After this experience? What is your level of like, okay, maybe this is a simulation. Give me a percentage at so, that point. Yeah, I moved from like 20 after the night I got really stoned to like 60. Like, <laughs> six, like I'm, six, 60 big percent. jump. Yeah, big, big that's jump. Pretty, that's pretty big. Yeah. And then uh, it's Christmas time. And I'm driving around with David, with my five-year-old. Because, um, like, before, you know, pre-bedtime, we got to calm down. He's a pretty hyperactive kind of kiddo. Uh, and I thought this would be a cool thing to drive and see the Christmas lights around town. Um, and so we're looking, and he's getting tired, and he's getting sleepy. And so we start driving home. And from the back seat, he goes, Daddy, do you know how I know when I'm uh, about to fall asleep? And I was like, how, bud? How do you know? He says, the kid puts down the controller. Five-year-old. So, well, but listen, he's not a typical five-year-old either because he doesn't, like, he, we don't give him access to, you know, a lot of television. Like, he watches PBS Kids. That's it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have access to YouTube or, you know, things that so a the lot concept. of five-year-olds have. The idea that a kid is controlling him. Yeah, like he doesn't play video games. He doesn't even play video games. No, he did for a while. Like we, you know, let him, but it was too much. So, like a year ago, we cut that off. You yeah, know, a year for a five-year-old yeah. is forever. So it's not like this is a daily thing. He's thinking about video. You know, it's not. I mean, it's possible that he, you know, he, he remembers playing video games and he really liked them. It's possible. But, but it was just such an odd thing as I'm driving and then and then like three nights ago, I got so stoned that I thought I was fake, you know. So all, it was just like boom, boom, right yeah, in a row. Like, uh, that's just kind of weird. Um, so yeah. what, what, what did your, uh, what did your percentage jump to? Maybe after? like 75 at that point. <laughs> like, um, from 60, you know, it wasn't as big a jump because there's, to me, there's, there's, you know, there's a, possibility that he just he liked video games you know and he knows about them but he, sure. he just it's just not something that he gets influenced by all the time it's not like you or I or anyone else that you know has that illustration to draw from that I would be you know awake and then when it's time to go to sleep there's a kid controlling me and he turned like that's just such a strange thing for him to it's a unique concept with. for a five-year-old but it's not impossible so that's why i it's know, not i mean you gotta think of a five-year-old like they're still cognitively putting their vocabulary together yeah and concepts are abstract to that like a concept like that is abstract to a five-year-old 
Yeah, extremely. Like, that, that, that's not, I mean, for even for me or you, that would be like, ha, 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 you know, it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. But for a five-year-old to be able to articulate that in a way, especially a couple of days after you had that experience, yeah, it was weird. is a little strange. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're sitting at about 75%. Yeah. Is that where you are currently? I think, I think, um, no, because doing research for the episode, um, <laughs> not much. And trust me, like Mark, Mark's a scientist, so he he's he's got all these notes, and he's oh probably God. done all these you know impressive We're gonna thing, see how research it all plays things. Out. I've you know Googled BuzzFeed <laughs> slash <laughs> simulation theory evidence. <laughs> And I think I pulled up the same article that Andy, like I've got snapshots from that. So Andy and I are going to have like the same shit to say, you know, but just from that, you know, little bit of research that I've done, it's like, there's, you know, people have said stuff that, um, has definitely pushed the needle a little bit. Now by research, do you mean that you went and watched crazy YouTube videos? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah of course. A little bit of that. Of course. Too. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. So that's the only thing that qualifies as research these days. <laughs> just, since, I'm going to clarify. Since, uh, since QAnon, I've tried to stay away from rabbit holes on YouTube. Since <laughs> but let's just clarify. Research yeah. is watching a YouTube video. Yeah. That's doing your own research. And or Fox News. Well, Fox News is here or there, okay. but definitely YouTube. I mean, YouTube there's no one more research. accurate. No. So it's say. all peer reviewed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fair and balanced. <laughs> Meaning my peers reviewed it. <laughs> uh, what about, what about you, Annie? Like wh where do you sit on a percentage that we are living, I mean, before b before this conversation, before anything, before even the initial ones that we had, Andy came over a couple weeks ago and went and sat in the hot tub and we were trying to not talk about it simulation. <laughs> it was so hard because we're just like, it's on our brains now. And, but before that, before anything, if somebody were to say, we're in a simulation, what would you have said? Before you brought this idea to me, 0%. 0%. It was not on my radar at all. Interesting. Um, after you planted that first seed in my mind, uh, it got the wheel spinning. Um, and you look at your surrounding environment and you start to question everything, everything. <laughs> That's the crazy thing is that there's so like, you could look at there's so, so many there's things so much. and go, what? So we're, we're going to do this episode in sections and this is, we're going to talk about, so, so where are you at now? After all your research in a few different... 25%. Oh, that's so low. Yeah. Oh, what a newbie. <laughs> Here's some DMT. <laughs> I feel like it's because I'm grounded in my reality. We talk about reality a little bit. Um, maybe it's just the optimist in me, I guess. Why is it optimism that we are not enough? Um, spiritual beliefs, um, what I want to believe is true versus what it might be if that's the reality. Um, How would your life change right now if you had definitive proof, like 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is a simulation, literally nothing. Like you don't actually exist, your kids don't exist, Sam, nothing. Um, How would your life change? Knowing that my, the, the reality, my reality um, and my kids aren't really my kids and that love that feels so genuine is just fake would de devastate me. Really? Yeah. So one interesting thing that I've kind of come across is that those two things don't have to be, it's not, it doesn't have to be this or that. Mm -hmm. Like one, one kind of vein 
of thinking about simulation theory is, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into this in more detail later, but um, when you think about the technology that we have and then the you know, compounding rate that that is growing, um, you know, it's almost inevitable that at some point we're able to create actual simulation, not, you know, compute. we think of in computers because that's what we're all so familiar with, mm -hmm. but there's probably something else too that we'll figure out. Something, you know, where uh, we create a universe of some kind and, and the things that exist in that simulation that we create someday. Right. Th they don't have to not have meaning because we created them, right? That's the, the kind of thing. It doesn't have to be, because I, I had that same thought too at one point was, man, this is all just fake. It's all just me. No, it's 100% real to me. It doesn't, right. if, if we're in a simulation, it doesn't have to philosophically change what all that means and what it is. Right. So, you know, for me, I guess where I would take comfort is, was there an earth before the earth that we know? Did we live mm. on venus and the universe that Probably we know venus. is well <laughs> mars. but was it different you know could have been mars is is this a simulation of what we knew as a former planet that's no longer mm -hmm. you know mars used to be like earth is today kind of things that changed in the universe that we can't trace back to you know and and now we're projecting it because we used to have this home planet that had water and mountains and all these other things and that we, we were happy find. And so and we now, moved, you know. And so now we're we're living on a spaceship orbiting Saturn right now, and that was so unhappy. So then they just plugged us into the Matrix and See, threw us on quote Earth. I don't I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, I don't think that's out at all. I was just kind of playing yeah. off the, the idea. I, I think that if it were us, our future selves, right, whatever we could become, that created this for us to be in i think it would be happier <laughs> like i think it would be like you know what i mean like there's oh so a lot you don't of, you don't think that humans are behind this um i don't know no 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 i don't think humans are post humans maybe what do you mean post um what what, what, so, what we become yeah after so there, we evolve? there's no chance that if all things like if the earth doesn't get destroyed it will right but if it didn't let's just philosophically play this game okay right? So the Earth doesn't get destroyed. The climate doesn't kill us all. Um, and, well, in how much time? Billions of years. Like, you know, whatever. Like, call it million. Call it whatever. At some point, we were probably something that, you know, looked different than we are today in the past. Sure. And at some point, we're going to probably look different than we do today in the future. Right? So there's this evolution, micro or macro or whatever you want to call it. So there's maybe some post-human version of what our society and what our species becomes that thinks a lot differently than we think. So I don't think humans would, like with our code of ethics and the, you know, I don't think that we're capable of inflicting our own world on ourselves. Yeah. If that I, makes sense. I completely disagree. No. Okay. I, I mean, cause if you look at the history of all of, all of, all of, all of mankind, all we do is destroy ourselves. Right. But I mean, and that's constant. in our world today, simulated or real, there's people who are in a lot of pain, people yeah. who are sick, people who are poor, people who get raped, people who, you yeah. know, there's, there's horrible things that happen. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think that, um, ethically and consciously, and morally, the people that we are today would say, yep, we should simulate that 
with real conscience with whatever version of real well, see, conscience. I, I don't that, think I don't think that the simulation authors, if you will, I don't think that's. That's, or author, because it could be a nine-year-old alien uh, <laughs> on the planet Kolob. Uh, well, uh, so uh, that, that's a little more complex of, of an issue that you brought up. Um, and I actually, I'm going to circle it around to it real quick. So your assumption is based that it was humans that created this. Or when that, you think in, about in that in that scenario, yeah. yeah if yeah. you expand on that just a little bit, though, and think about what do we know about the rules of artificial intelligence and robotics as we know them as humans, mm-hmm. right? It's it's there's like three pillars, right? Like uh, they can't touch humans. They can't, you know, I, I forget what they are. Yeah, I'm thinking of like the movie I Robot. Do, do no harm, kind of thing. Right. Yep. What if we've evolved to that point in time and it's the artificial intelligence that saw the flaws in humanity mm-hmm. that created those rules to think that we're in control when we're really not in control yeah. and they're giving us this simulation? That's kind of what I'm saying, though, is that it, an evolved version of us, whether that's bio-evolved or mechanically artificially evolved, because well, that's possible. Artificial intelligence that, created by humans yeah. is a projection of ourselves. That right? society might be capable of you know, inflicting this hell. But I don't know that, like, if you know, Congress got together and debated, um, you know, hey, we have this technology and these things inside the simulation are going to be conscious and aware, you know, I think they'd say no right now, right? The the people we are, you know, I hope, but for God's sake, I don't know. So let's let's hit pause real quick because I'm sure somebody's listening going. What the fuck is simulation theory, and why are they talking about living in a simulation? This is Earth. Yeah, we're humans. Yeah, we jumped the gun here. We did, but I liked it. Um, so, the idea that we're living in a simulation is not a new one. We actually did a podcast. The three of us did a podcast on the multiverse a couple of years ago, and we talked about two different taxonomies of the multiverse. Uh, we talked about Max Tegmark, and then we also talked about John Green. And John Green has nine. Uh, he has nine models of different dimensional multiverse. Uh, and one of those, I believe it's number six, is the holographic or the simulated universe. It's the only, it's the only uh, model that even comes close to being able to, you can, I mean, because every time you have a model of something in science, what you want to do very first and foremost is um, conduct an experiment that you can test a hypothesis against and virtually every single model there's you you we can't come up with an experiment in order to explain uh or uh, we can't come up with an experiment in order to test these models because the experiment like how do you how do you create an experiment to test that we are in a, a a bubble of soup our universe is a is a like a bubble and there's hundreds of bubbles in this kind of like bowl of soup and each bubble is a universe within itself how do you how do you conduct how do you even how do you figure out what experiment to do and then the question becomes well why do you even want to do an experiment like why do we even care about this well because we have two rules of thoughts here um uh or we have two trains of thoughts and the first one it says that here on planet Earth, we know that most things uh, adhere to a certain set of physical laws, like 
um, Newtonian physics. We know that when you drop something, it it accelerates to the ground at 9.8 meters per second squared. We know that because that's the speed of gravity here on the surface of the Earth. We know these things, these rules exist. But then we also know that there is Einsteinian relativity. And Einsteinian relativity uh, talks about the space-time fabric. Um, it talks about the bigness and the smallness of the universe, quantum mechanics, and also the bigness, the time and the speed of light, all these things. We conduct experiments against Newtonian physics and they keep coming back to be true. And we conduct experiments regarding Einsteinian relativity and they come back to be true. We both know these are true, but we both know that they're also incorrect because they don't work together. Um, because one accounts for gravity and one does not. And so we, it's kind of like one, it's like basketball and football. Uh, basketball players and football players, and you have Einsteinian relativity, and you have Newtonian physics, and it's like you put them on the on the court, and you blow the whistle, and you just say go. Like half of them are like, well, you have to define the rules first. Well, if you define them as football, then only only that side works, and if you define it as basketball, then only that side works. It's like the rules don't intermix. So then scientists say, well, there's probably a theory. And what they're calling it is the theory of everything to where those two will intermix with each other. And so that's the holy grail is to find the theory of everything. And so this pursuit of this multiverse, uh, string theory and the soups and, and simulation theory, this is trying to reconcile the difference between these two huge trains of science, of laws that we know to be true there's, we're trying to reconcile the two of those. And so in reconciliation, we come up with these lowercase t theories of, uh, well, I wonder if there's, maybe because these aren't working together, there's hundreds of other dimensions that we can't observe yet, or maybe we never will. And that's why these don't fit together is because we just don't even know how to look at the universe accurately. That led down the train of thought to an idea that, well, what if all of this is just simulated? What if everything, everything that we know to be true, history, and, and even like everything that we know to be true and accurate and real today has been simulated to this point. And that has more traction to conduct experiments than anything else because like how do you like the multi like the multi-world theory that there are uh, millions if not billions of dimensions that are centimeters apart within each other but we can't uh, we, we can't observe those other dimensions maybe that's what ghosts are they're peering through dimensions but how much more realistically is it that maybe uh, it's literally just a glitch in the system just code it's a code that I mean because like when yeah. when you when you build very complex systems there's going to be issues in the code and even with the most advanced computers there's going to be issues like if you are in a if you like say you're playing Red Dead Redemption right and you're going through that entire world was created for the game itself and Every now and then you look in a bird, it like glitches out. Why? Because there's so much code going on that you can't, can't be perfect. And all of a sudden this idea that all of this simulated, all of a sudden resolves a million issues all at the same time. 
I mean, and that's really the reason why we're having this conversation is because what if we actually are in a simulation? What would that mean? What would that mean for us as humans on this planet currently right now? What does that mean? And how does that affect our daily lives? And so that is why we're here. That is why we are talking about simulation theory. Because I guess the bigger question behind that is, what? <laughs> well, what is this? <laughs> like, why are we here? What's the purpose of all of this? Um, that's kind of the, the question behind the question. But we started off like, are we in a simulation? Well, maybe. But why does it even matter? That was the bigger question. And scientifically, it's because of what well, we're trying to bridge gaps. But as humanity, the question becomes, what what's the purpose of all of this? Even if it isn't a simulation, then what's the purpose? But if it is, what's the purpose? Was that a lot? Was that dense? <laughs> Fucking simulation. <laughs> All right, so, so step one. We're gonna kind of take this in, in segments here. Uh, step one. Oh, man. If all of this is simulated, so you talked a little bit about the evil um, or the, the, I, mean, the, 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 I mean, honestly, nature is frightening and formidable, but it's not evil. Evil exists because of humans, right? Yeah. Why would we program evil into a simulation i think that's the wrong question mm. i think the question becomes if you were to create i mean because we are autonomous within a within a simulation is as autonomous as you can be like if i want to go outside and take my clothes and run and run around in the snow i could do that i could right now it'd be stupid but i i have that ability to do that um, the human brain, even if it's simulated, the human brain would not accept a world without flaw. It wouldn't do it because we are flawed by nature. And if you were to put us into a world where you designed no evil to exist, we simply wouldn't accept it as true. And we would probably just kill ourselves, which would lead to evil anyways. It, it's, it's kind of a spinoff. Do you, I don't know if you ever, ever remember in the second Matrix when he meets... Um, the what was the guy in in white? What, uh, he wasn't. Uh, he, he was like the the programmer. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, he was that guy. And and they said that this was like the sixth iteration of the Matrix. And the re, and he's like, well, why was there six? And he's like, well, we made a perfect Matrix the first time around, the absolute perfect one. But nobody bought it. No, no, no one believed it because it was perfect. Like the world is flawed. And the only way that we will exist as humans is if we understand the flaws and that helps us to grow and overcome those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, again, I think the, the point I was making earlier, yeah. it's almost that I don't, you know, if we're in a simulation, I think evidence points to it's not us that did it. You know, that that's that was my the point I was making. I guess but, that's, yeah, the big, the big first it, question you know, is, who who's behind the curtain? Right. That is, that is the big first question, and that you know, I think we would need a lot of drugs to answer. <laughs> um, so what I you know, what I came I guess more prepared with is just to have conversation around what what are some of the the crazy things 
you know, the evidence, you know, or things that we like in this world, that's weird. That's what's really interesting, you know, trying to, I'm not, I'm not prepared, you know, even close or, or just mentally able or stable enough emotionally to try to answer who or what. Um, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think any, I mean, that would just be speculation at this point. Yeah. If you got there, I think it could destroy you. Yeah, that's the it whole will. point. Once, someone, once you someone mean... the kid puts down the fucking controller, right? <laughs> like if if you're playing The Sims and one of The Sims looks up at you and goes, "Mark," I would be like, <laughs> "Boop, yep, game you're over." Throwing your PlayStation in the fucking river, right? You're done. So uh, that's actually really funny. Yeah. Um, well, so I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Um, what are the weird things? Uh, on this planet in our life that we have all adopted as normalcy and I'll start right off the bat um, because this is funny because I have like I'm not even kidding you like a dozen things that came to my mind that I'm like these things are so so odd if you objectively think about them and we have just adopted them as like oh no that's normal Mm -hmm. growing a human fetus inside the belly of another human mm-hmm. is fucking wild and completely and utterly accepted it, because we see it every day right you know you, you you pump some girl full of baby gravy and next thing you know nine months later boom you have a baby what like that that baby is a human so it needs oxygen it needs food oh no no it's good it gets it from the an, a cord attached to the mom that comes out with the baby. Uh, what? And then the baby has never breathed a breath of oxygen, which it was fine with. And then when it comes out, all the fluid that's in the lungs get absorbed by the body mm. of the baby. And then it expands and there's still fluid in there, but the lungs absorb that fluid. And then all of a sudden the baby needs oxygen. What? Yeah. That is the, I mean, not just with humans, that's with every animal. And it, it, I mean, not every, but that's with a ridiculous amount of, I mean, all the mammals. mammals. And, but then like, what about an egg? Eggs are, that's the, what? Well, but even in the man, we all start as eggs. Mammals start as eggs. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, obviously like amphibians, but like, you know, like snakes, like, like that shit is so weird. Then we just adopted it as completely normal because there's no other explanation. Obviously, there's no other explanation. We see it happen every day. Yeah, obviously, this is biology. It's the way it works. What if this was just like some computer programmer just being like, let's make it fucking really weird. Yeah. How about, you know, how do they reproduce? I don't know. Let's let it grow it inside the female's body in their belly. And then she's going to push it through the vagina. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I'm going to get destroyed for this if Sam hears it, but I'm glad it's females and not males. Oh, yeah. Painful well, shits are bad enough. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yes. Like, I, 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 I honor and tip my hat to all the females for that have birthed or that want to birth a child. That, that, that is, I can't even fathom how, what that would be like. But what, what the heck? So what that makes me think of, um, you know, with children and like how, how that works with us. One thing that's just strange to me is that of every other animal that I know of, correct me if I'm wrong, but every other animal that I'm at all aware of, 
you know, they're walking around within hours, fending them for themselves. Yeah, co- coherency know. with a human is poor. I can't get my five year old to fill up his fucking water. <laughs> right? Oh like, man, human children are totally helpless. Like completely help. You know, I have a five year old. I have a seven month old, and they're you know, I mean. They would die, right? Without, 100% without constant. Evolutionarily you know, speaking, yeah. humans are, are, are terrible. So why, hum, you know, why, why are there not other animals around on the planet that have to care for their children the way we the have way we to do. care for our children? Yeah, I mean because, like horses, cows, yeah, seahorses, they sharks, everything. Like they, you know, the oh, moment they're swim, born, within, some food. within hours they're walking. Yep. And you know, like within a day or two, they're they're on their own. But like, it's so extreme when you you know when you ha- when you have kids and you watch this stuff happen. Like you know, Kaylin could be in her crib, you know, which is attached to our bed, two feet away from her mom. And if mom was asleep and didn't wake up, Kaylin, you know, there's no way she just couldn't help herself. There's no way she's gonna you know figure out how to you know get to her mom. Figure out how, you know that's just not gonna happen. That's crazy to me. That, oh, but that's only human. Like, name one other animal that requires years and years of constant uh, attention. And in help. the wild, it doesn't exist. Yeah. In the it, time scale is different, though. Uh, well, elaborate. Um, how long? I don't. I don't follow it close enough. But how long do apes live? Because they're our closest descendants. Uh, yeah, chimps and bonobos. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure we could do a research. I mean, it's not 10 years. I think it's 40, 60 years. I mean, it's... So it's, it's fairly close then. But they don't... Um, I mean, there's the, the fight or flight piece of it, right? Like, yeah, they can walk and do that sooner, but they're not at the top of the pecking mm-hmm. order the way humans are. Um, they don't feed themselves, though. I mean, their parents still go out and gather the food and everything for them. Yeah, chimps, they how chimps to do and that. bonobos are 40 years okay. yeah, on average. So half, half the life expectancy? Ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and obviously chimps and bonobos, they're, it's, they get delivered like we do, but it's, it's within days there. I mean, or even hours, they're climbing around. Like those humans are very unique, but we're also, Arguably the only self-aware. But were our ancestors the same way? Or did we evolve to this point in time because we're just lazy humans? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, um, if I was being chased by tigers, you know, saber-toothed cats, whatever, you know, decades ago, I think I would have learned to walk a lot sooner than I did. Well, cognitive abilities and progression wouldn't change because of dangers in your environment. Like, whoa. Unless we got to the point in the simulation where we got in front of computers and became lazy human beings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think what we're getting to is, you know, there's evidence here that, you know, maybe our simulate, maybe our existence was uh, designed, you know, the way that it is. Maybe, you know, that's, that's what it was. Well, you brought, up, you brought up something. Actually, I'm going to get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, there are these birds that live in New Hampshire. And uh, Vireets, V-E-E-R-E-T-S, maybe. Um, I, mean, that, I think that's wrong, but somebody will correct me. But these birds 
they they're real small and these scientists they noticed that they were leaving each year um they were migrating between june and july sometimes early june sometimes late july but they would migrate each year they would leave and then they'd come back uh in the fall and they were like we don't know where these birds are going we have no idea where these birds are going and so then they were able to um trap a few of them uh, harmlessly and, and place a tiny gps chip on a bunch of them and they tracked them and they migrated wildly to the exact same tree every single year of their life in brazil four thousand miles mm-hmm. away these tiny birds with a brain the size of a pea would fly over the Gulf of Mexico and find the tree, their tree, and then fly back to their tree. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. And then, and then not only that, they were like, but why are they leaving in early June and why are they leaving in late July? Like it's different every year. If they're so precise to their trees, then they started looking at hurricane season uh, projections. And these birds would project if it was going to be a bad season, they would leave earlier. And if it was gonna be a mild season, they would leave later. These birds not only flew 4,000 miles to the same exact tree each year, but also knew in advance the intensity of the hurricane season that year. Well, they can clearly read the farmer's almanac. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the, in 2018, they were calling for a mild year. But then the scientists realized these birds were leaving in early June, and they're like, we think there might be a bad season, and it was one of the worst seasons we had. Mm-hmm. Like, how? that's fucking wild. How is that? How can a bird do that? Well, a Tesla can do that, right? <laughs> you can just plug in the GPS? Yeah, and it just goes. It just goes where you tell it, <laughs> tell it to go. The new Model S Plaid can, yeah. Yeah. But, like, that's... That's wild that we have all just accepted, oh yeah, birds can do that. That's not, that's not a normal thing. We don't even understand, like when they're in these, these murders of birds, these flocks, and they're all flying, they all just shift left and shift right. There's a, a component of, of communication between them. We don't understand how they do that either. Mm-hmm. But we all just accept that it is done. When you first texted me about birds migrating, I thought, nah, that's not that's not so weird because if I listen, if I was a bird and I lived here, you know, and I could fucking fly, like yeah, I'm just gonna go where it's warmer. I'm gonna keep going. Oh, you know, there's some food. Yep, no big deal. Fly down there, get some food, keep going. You know, eventually. But when you put it that way, that they're going to the exact same tree, exact like, yeah, four thousand miles away, strange. and they're also flying during the summer when mm-hmm. it's warm. They go down and they come back when it's cold. But if they can predict hurricanes, how come they can't predict the hunters that are going to kill them on their way? Because mm-hmm. it's a simulation, bro. Yeah. Then the hunters would know they're in a simulation. So that's, I like, mean, that gets to the piece for me, the, the glitches in the matrix, if you will, right? Like, mm. like maybe the, the, the being that's coding all of this is just really not that good at what they do. Or and m- maybe they're creating the simulation to continue to create itself. Mm-hmm. And that's where the flaws in the system become. Because like if you create a system and it's too complex to create, I mean, do you know how hard it would be? I mean, yes, Red Dead Redemption. That's a it's a great it's a great 
uh, example because everybody knows the game. Nearly like, flawless. Yeah. Near, nearly flawless. How big was the map in its entirety? Like compared to, I mean, if you were to look in like an actual map on on Earth, like the the square footage, the square acreage of that first game or the second game. Red Dead, I think RDR, man, like the original one, or even the second one, like the maps, they were big. Yeah. But they weren't massive. Like, land-wise, the size of Grand Rapids, Michigan, I mean, it, like, it, greater Grand Rapids, greater Lansing, like, it, we're looking at, like, maybe 30 acres. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much time went into trying to program that every detail of grass? and dirt and birds and bears and everything not not just the 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 you know all of the missions you play but just the world itself do you know how hard it would be to do a whole planet like that's insane so if you could program a program that's funny if you could program a program to continue to do it that is doable so since we're on video games and yeah. this specific idea in video games, um, there's this thing called procedural generation that's starting to. So I like I like playing video games. Um, not ashamed to admit that. I do too. I just don't. I wish so I there's this thing called procedural generation that's happening more and more and more in a lot of games. There's this game called No Man's Sky um, that you would enjoy yeah. a lot, and you probably would too. This game is um, an infinite game. Uh, so it takes place in space. You fly around to planets, galaxies, um, solar systems, I mean. and it's infinite. It's literally <laughs> infinite because it's procedurally generated. There's oh, billions and billions and billions of stars that you could go to in this game. And you can look at a map of the universe and say, that's where I want to go, and you go, eventually get there. Um, and it's all... So the way this procedural generation works is there's formulas put into the game that essentially when you get to a solar system, these formulas calculate uh, based on all kinds of statistics and odds, how many planets are gonna be in that solar system. And then it determines um, based on how close all of those planets are to the sun, you know, what kind of climate those planets might have. And then when you actually land on any given planet, it generates, you know, what, everything around you the trees the right. water the grass the animals are procedurally generated right the, the, the game designers didn't, didn't say every blade of grass on this right, planet but it knows right. to generate it once you get there right and so you have you know you land on a planet and a lot of the building blocks of planets are the same right animals that can look similar on one planet or the next but they're always different somehow there's yeah. you know and you know, something that looks like an elephant with antlers, with a deer head, you know, with some just crazy weird with stripes or, right. you know, it's always, you know, everything's different on every planet and it's literally infinite. No one, you know, will ever play all and of get it to, because, you know, it's impossible. It continues to go. Right. That's, and that's, so, but my point was that's happening in a lot of like Red Dead, you know, these games, yeah. you know, every blade of grass in that game, I don't think it was specifically drawn no built. it wasn't it coded was, you know the, but it was this patch or this whatever is going to look like this and then, sure. then it's procedurally generated as you turn and, right. and as you roll and as you go right. yes so, the computer so generates it as you your, go to your point that's yes. happening right so there's procedural yes. generation that we've have figured out how to put that into yes. a video game 
why obviously wouldn't a creator of a simulation this complicated and this it big would be it would be too much to know how to do that. right it would it would be too much to look down and to see I have dust on my floor because I'm remodeling but if I could pull that dust up and hold I could get down to a single piece of dust and then I could put it under a microscope and we could actually zoom down to a microscopic level and all of those things but did it exist before we looked at it and we could see that it's probably semen. <laughs> That that's downstairs. Okay, that's in my room <laughs> and the shower. So this um, is my, by the way, my first time in Mark's brand new house that he yeah. just bought. And the first thing I notice is the like seventy five pounds of uh, protein powder <laughs> on top of my yeah. fridge. Yeah, I got a lot of protein powder. Well, I buy in bulk. It's cheaper that way. I also have an air fryer and a ninja uh, blender. Ninja blender. And uh, an instant pot. 40 pound bag of rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, 25. Okay. Yeah, I'll go through that in like two weeks. 25 pounds in two weeks. Um, so, here's, so here's the thing. Ashlyn, this actually, you brought this up to me in the, one of the initial conversations. Uh, because I, I wanted to have this kind of, I wanted to have this, do this podcast. And then it was kind of like, there's too much for me to digest scientifically. And it kind of just fell by the wayside. And then it came back up because of something you said. Mm-hmm. And, and scientifically, I was just like, oh, no, no, no. It says blah, 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 blah. But then the more I think about it, the more how interesting this is. And uh, you made a really, you made like one of the best points I've ever even known. And I don't even think you realized you did it. You said, and I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but we were talking and you're like, in 1960, the U.S. government was like, Oh yeah, we're yeah. going to the moon. Yep, we're going to the moon. This is this 1960. Is, this is where I got to like the 75. percent Yeah, when Not, I started thinking about this. So, so yeah. and th- there's more credibility to this thought yeah. than you realize. If if you are listening right now, you need to like focus and put your phone down and listen because this is one of the things that really pushed me to think we really might be in one. Yeah. And then all the, these 12 pages of notes will go over here in a minute mm-hmm. <laughs> because it gets even weirder. It gets even weirder. But you were like, 1960, we want to get to the moon. Nine years. Boom. We got, we made it. We're on, With, the, we're on the fucking we're moon. On the moon, yeah. regardless if... Nine years. Nine years. Regardless if you think that that exact moon landing didn't happen or did happen, regardless, we've been there six times. Right. We've placed a mirror on the moon. You can buy a laser online right now that connects to your computer and it bounces back and it tells you the speed direction and distance of the moon right now you can do so we had the ingenuity yes with 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 computers that were less complex than your pocket calculator from when you were in grade school yep and we made it to the moon we figured it out we figured it out saturn Mm five got us there on the apollo missions top of the head off the top of your head What was the first one that landed? Apollo what? Please, someone. Apollo 11. Yes, thank you, God Almighty. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people just don't know that. Yeah. It's insane. Well, oh. When you say Apollo, Apollo 13 is the first thing that pops Everyone thought, oh, Apollo 13. No, that was the one that went really bad. Yeah. Jim Lovell, they didn't, they didn't like they orbited, they, they were that close. Um, nine years. Even if we didn't land in 10 years, okay? We got there in 10 years, nine years. But I'm gonna say nine because that's what uh, history says. Yeah. Nine years, 1969. Now, let's just say 1970 to be fun. It has been 60 years 
since the point we wanted to go to the moon. And it has been 50 since we landed on the moon. And we have not gotten any further. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mars is significantly further than the moon. It takes three days to get to the moon. But still not... It's just not... Yeah, I mean... We, our technology, our te- well, see, like scientifically, immediately, I just go right back to, oh, no, obviously, uh, the distance, sheer distance that Mars is away from Earth, it's it, like, it's so hard to grab onto how big the solar system is because we grow up and we draw a circle and that's the sun and then we draw the, you know, the eight or nine planets depending on how old you are. Uh, We draw the eight planets surrounding the sun and, you know, it's kind of like on a sheet of paper, right? No, this solar system, the distances are astronomical. Like you, it's so hard to fathom how far Mars is. Like right now, 280 some thousand miles is is the moon from us right now and i mean like you can shine it's there it's like a a half a second one second is how long it takes four seconds for a radio signal to get there and back um it's four minutes at the speed of light to get to mars i mean we are it's a it's half of an ast it's it's 1.5 au's from the sun is mars and we are one au so it's half the distance of earth to the sun is how far mars is from us like it is it, you know, it re- ridiculous four and a half million miles. Right. With but with that said, I mean, but and that's at the closest point at the epihelion. So, but with that said, it's been fifty years. Yeah, we have computers in our pockets, and oh my, and like the technology on, on our phones, it, it's it, like it. it it soars past the technology that we needed to land on the moon. Yeah. And we are still years away. So lo- logic would say in 1969, we land on the moon. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep going. Like, we got to go. We got to keep going. Gary, we got to go. We got to colonize. We got to put people, put a base, put something on the moon, and then eventually we're going to Mars. Well, nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing happened. Absolutely. And, it was, and like nothing. you could make arguments of well, you know, money and Congress and what you know. Those are bullshit. great. Those are great arguments. Bullshit. Logical. Right? Until we have Elon Musk, mm-hmm. who I'm kind of convinced might be the creator of the simulation, it's or like, might have something to do, or have or knowledge, might be a, a of, projection of yeah, the creator. Something weird. Like there's like something fucking weird. Player one. Yeah. He's player one. Have you heard? Have you listened to him? Oh yeah, like everything. He I, knows shit. He oh. just know. He knows things. Like he. He, he just he answers questions. He takes that, his time to pause, and, and then make, he's just like, no. He's yeah. He's making Very sure strange. that he doesn't give you the information that'll make the kid playing the game put down the fucking <laughs> controller. Right? He's I think making he sure. might be he might be player one. But like, what if, what if the creators of this simulation were like, we created a whole planet, everything, and then. They were like, okay, they want to go to the moon. We we can't create an entire planet like Earth. It's just too hard. There's too much. They're like, let's just make it fucking barren. Yeah. Dirt. Just put dirt everywhere. No atmosphere. No nothing. Just let's just put dirt. So everything else Super we easy. see, you know, is dirt. It's dirt. It's it's, or it's well, so far away that we can't really tell. But Mars. Yeah. What if they're like, 
We are creating the planet, but we need more time. We need more time to render what this planet looks like. Well, what I see it more as is this is a boundary, right? The evidence that I saw in that thought when we first talked about it was there's some reason that we will never, we'll ne- we'll never get. Society just said, nope, we're done. We're not going to keep going. We're not going to Do you try. think, so, so and, do, you, and do you think the boundary will ever be broke? Well, I don't know. Again, you know. I mean, because, I mean, Elon's a, a year and a half away. Yeah. The end of 2022, we're launching the BFR. We're, we're launching Star uh, Starship. Yeah. To go to Mars. That's a year and a half away. I mean, that's so close. I mean, 2024, 2026. Those are could be manned missions to yeah. Mars. Yeah, I mean, like to your point, if you've tried to break, have you ever played a video game and it glitched out really bad, or you you got somewhere you shouldn't have been in the video game? <laughs> when you jump over the pole in Mario, right at the end of the oh, level, yeah, yeah, it just go, yeah, just keeps going. Yeah, there's just nothing it's flat, there. Flat, same yeah, thing. Just That's probably what we'll find, right? It's you know, I'm sure that that and that, you know, that's the the boundary. It. It doesn't mean that you can't get game, past the, the moon. The game doesn't always crash, right? It, it, there's just nothing to see. There's just it just is what it looks like. It's a big rock with dust because that's what was made for you to see, you know. Interesting. When you look. When we talked about it a little bit a couple of weeks ago, I mean, you the logical explanation for me is that <clears throat> how many humans are willing to go on a one-way mission? Oh, me. Because it's... 100% I mean, me <laughs> right now. I'll go. Right. I, I, I'll, Understood. But <laughs> but there's not very many people like me. I feel like that's, you know, from from the distance perspective, a trip to the moon is feasible because yep. you get there and you can make it back. In a week. Um, people will go on, on the uh, International Space Station because it's a limited mission that has a return. But yep. most humans aren't going to want to self-sacrifice. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't see it as a sacrifice, but yeah, you're not coming I, back. I mean, it's not a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, I'm sacrificing certain things, but I'm not self-sacrificing. But yes, I understand what you're saying. I love how Andy's the voice of reason. <laughs> every, we're we're just going just down fucking, this rabbit. Hole. It's all fucking fake, and then Andy's like, "Come on." <laughs> Elon told me some secrets. Yeah, and he said, talk him off this ledge. Do it. I knew it. Okay, so so we've talked about a few things. Do you guys have any weird things? Because I asked you guys to think about weird things. Um, Is there anything? Because I'm about to go into an entire different uh, direction on why and how dense this topic really is. But I don't. Before we go there, I want to make sure we're we're not missing anything. Two two things for me: one, twins or duplicates that you see out there. I forget what the statistics say about like somebody doppelgangers and you know, like the, the, mm-hmm. however many billion people on this earth right now, seven billion people. There's like six copies of you. Really? Yeah. Some, something like that. Oh, I, man. I read once. So like if it's an infinite thing, why would there be any duplicates? Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, if you listen to twins, um, uh, paternal, paternal twins. The ones that are fraternal, fraternal twins, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like they know each other's thoughts and feelings at times, yeah, which is yeah. just bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played Madden and you look in the crowd and they're like every everyone's the same? It's the same. It's the same. Person. Three hands that go left yeah, and right. That's the that's the trick. Madden. I mean, that was twenty twenty NFL season. Yeah, yeah that's true. 
some fun fun stuff in the in the crowd shots. They had oh, cardboard cutouts and stuff. Thousands and, of them. Yeah. Imagine if that was your job. They're like, hey, we need fifty thousand cardboard cutouts of people. Don't make them random. Find people. That sounds like out. a master's commission thing. Like that is a master's a, commission a thing, thing. That's a to thing that the they team. would say. Like, all right, this is gonna sound weird. All right, Art Van Zandt, <laughs> make it happen. And he's yeah. just like, okay, Matt Beal. <laughs> and Matt Beal's like, okay, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't ask me to do shit like that because oh, they God. knew I'd fuck. <laughs> There's no way. Oh man, that's a job for J- Johnny Forsyth. Oh man, yeah, Ryan Plute. The the second one. And this is, I think, where I got kind of the 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 twenty five percent where I sit today was what you said to me a couple of weeks ago about how you feel like you um, are are like a reincarnation. Ooh. Um, and and there's stories out there now. I'm I'm a skeptic by nature, so when somebody says I'm, you know, the second coming of Babe Ruth, like I'm gonna look at him like, no, you're not. But there's stories out there, uh, uh, experiences like you're talking about with your son, where, like, how is a two and a half year old going to tell you something that they have no way of comprehending yeah. or knowing who this person is? Speak and a language describing or something weird right. like that. Yeah. Things that mm-hmm. that you know, like statistically, you can go back and check. Like they say they're this this person, and they get the birth date spot on mm-hmm. at two years old. Like yeah. how? Yeah. Well, I mean, have you guys seen the the documentary about the kid? And I believe um, the kid was Egyptian, and he was like four, three or four years old. And right when he could learn to talk, basically started talking about how he was a pilot in his previous life. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "What do you mean?" And he started talking about things that I, four, three year old, four year old, wouldn't ever know. But then he kept ta- like. Then he kept going. He was like, yeah, but it wasn't here on Earth. I was a pilot on Mars. And and then he started talking about all these other things about how his his spaceship crashed here on Earth. And then he, he kept going and kept talking. And he was like, yeah, I was a part of the civilization that helped build um, the ancient ruins of the pyramids of Giza. And everyone's like, okay, this kid saw some documentary on on." Or whatever, and he didn't because his parents didn't have a TV because they were poor. But you know, you, maybe you saw the documentary somewhere. But he's three or four years. Old. He doesn't grab the concept. He had memories, and then he's like, "Yeah, um, that's why there is a hidden, um, a hidden passage in the Sphinx behind the right ear." And everyone's like, "What?" You're like, "Yeah," in the main Sphinx in front of one of the huge. Uh, temples or in front of one of the pyramids, the Sphinx, the main one, there's a hidden passage behind the right ear. And, and they're like, this is the weirdest thing. So they go out and uh, archaeologists went up and tapped behind the ear and noticed that it was an empty chamber. And so then, then they went to get, um, and like you can see, it is clearly there is a there is a passage there a hundred percent that no one noticed before literally no one because it's it's an old sphinx and um and so that then they went to the egyptian uh they went to the egyptian government was like hey can we get permits to pull the stone out so we can look and they were like no and so then they went and got these um sonar so uh these these sonars for the ground to it shoots uh, sonar into the ground. It shows what's beneath it, and there was a massive chamber, 
underneath the Sphinx, which this kid was like, oh no, yeah, this, the passage leads to a, um, a room under the Sphinx. And they're like, there's no room. And then they went and got the sonar and there's 100% a massive room under the Sphinx. Like this kid knew. He said he was from Mars. His, his spaceship crashed. He helped build the pyramids and he knew about the, and, I mean, he knew it. So what? <laughs> and then they, the Egyptian government wouldn't let anyone near all of those things. And now it's all off, all, all off limits. That's but, the point in the video game where you try to go there and you just keep hitting the wall and you mm -hmm. can't get any further. Even though you know that there's something behind it. That, that, that's a glitch in the system. It's a glitch. Oh, it bothers me so much. So then my brain starts thinking, well, you ever, you ever die in a video game and it just regenerates you hmm. and it remembers everything you did up to that point because the, that memory for that little figure is programmed. For that, for that little um, avatar, the difference between the original all the way up to that point and continuing on and respawning at that point, there's no difference. It's flawless, it's seamless for the avatar. You can program the memory of everything that happened to that avatar to when you go back in, you have all the coins or the weapons or whatever that avatar, whatever that character had. So from, for me, right here, right now, how do I know that I wasn't put in this simulation today with all of the memories from my entire life up to this point and I respawned here today or a week ago or a month ago or a year ago, but everything before that never actually happened. It was programmed memory into me because the difference between programmed memory and actual memory is not, there's, there's no difference. It's just electrical impulses in your brain. And if you are a simulation, the difference between actual memory and program memory is there's no difference. So then I started thinking even further into it. Uh, when, I, when I was at Michigan State, um, I had a roommate named Nick and uh, he lived with me, just loved the guy so much. We actually were, we didn't know each other really well. He needed a place to live, moved in, we became like best friends. Um, and just such a great guy. He lived with me for nine months. And I started thinking about this last night. I, I don't know what he ate or what he did. I, I can't remember. And I'm sure that he's gonna listen to this and be like, oh no, I did this and that. But I can't remember him cooking food in nine months at my house. I can't remember him going into his room and sleeping. I can't remember, I mean, I was with this guy for 270 days. And I can't remember simple things. Like, did he ever do laundry? I don't know. Did he look more like me or more like Andy? Because if he looked more like me, he probably just ate McDonald's <laughs> and Taco Bell. And if he looked more like Andy, then he's probably he's probably a digital uh, projection. A panda. <laughs> <laughs> now the real question is, you live with me, give or take six months. Do you remember me making food? No, I don't. I don't remember you. Do you remember me making food? Yes. Because my food is so weird. <laughs> I cook massive amounts at a time. And I, well, there's I, also things that you just, 
So your brain washes those memories out because they're just not critical. They're not important. It's not critical information, but there's more to it than that. Like if you're going to program memories, there's too much to program all the little things. Like we we are taught that long-term and short-term memory, like everything in this house, every single thing you've seen and is stored in your brain in the moment you leave and you go to sleep tonight, your brain just washes it into long-term memory. You'll never see it again. It's there, but you'll never see it again. And that's what we're taught. But what if the fact is that these memories are programmed in and they're too complex to program everything. So we're taught to believe that it's not long-term memory stuff. There's just too much to render into a memory than simple, I mean, because like I... So what about people that have photographic memory? It's a glitch. It's a glitch in the system. They're agents. (laughs) <laughs> it's Agent Smith. Mr. Anderson. I mean, so then it gets even more complex. It gets even more complex. All right, you guys ready for level three now? So we just <laughs> went through level one. We just went through level two, so now we're going to go into level three. We're an hour and 17 minutes in. We have like four hours to go. Here we go. We're going to kind of go into a really, really strange uh, school of thought because this is, I I was reading a book um, and uh, the book book is called Biocentrism by Robert Lanza. He's a medical doctor that kind of went into this weird field um, where the premise of the book is that the the universe itself um, revolves around actual life, like the the meaning of the universe. the meaning of the universe is life. It it surrounds life, um, and that's it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to explain. Um, step one: If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, doesn't doesn't make a sound. Yes, no. Your thoughts? Well, that's what's it in in debate here. But yes, according to you know what makes sense sure. in our reality. Of course it does. Of course it does. So sound is created by the disturbance of some medium. In our case, it is uh, air. Um, The tree striking the ground creates a rapid pulses of air. Basically, that's what's happening. Um, When when anything hits, when I'm talking, I'm creating rapid pulses of air. Um, uh, These these rapid air pressure variations, they travel around about 750 miles per hour. The the pulsating waves of air uh, travel, that's the speed of sound, about 750 miles an hour. Um, and these pulses, they travel, they're looking, um, they lose their coherency basically over distance um, until the background evenness of the medium is established. So that's why sound travels for a certain distance and then it dissipates is because there's background evenness constantly in the air. And as I talk or I yell or I snap, I'm creating dissonance, I'm creating that, uh, those pulses and then over time the coherency um, distributes into the evenness of the medium and then the sound dissipates. Um, that's the way sound works. Now. You enter an ear into the equation, because I wasn't talking about sound, I was talking about pulses, really. If you enter an ear into the equation of the tree striking the ground, the tiny puffs um, physically cause the ear's tympatic membrane or the, um, the eardrum to vibrate, uh, which then stimulates the nerves. But if and only if the air is pulsating between 20 times per second and 20,000 times a second. So if the pulse, if the pulses are less than 20 or higher than 20,000, um, nothing happens. 
uh, in our ears. Um, these stimulated nerves send electrical signals to the brain, resulting in, cog uh, in what we cognitive cognitively know as noise. So basically, me talking is somewhere within the range of 20 pulses per second and 20,000. That is the window. Now, I am actually talking and I'm actually creating pulses that are much lower and higher, but we just don't know um, because our ears don't, um, don't know that. Only when a specific range of pulses are present is the ear's uh, neural architecture designed to let humans conjure what we know as noise. So in, in short, an observer, an ear, and a brain is every bit as necessary to the experience of sound as the tree falling in the air pulses. So technically speaking, when a tree falls, does it make noise? The answer is no. It creates pulses. And those pulses aren't unique to anything if the ear didn't exist if there was no ears on this planet no noise would exist and that is the the weird thing because like saturn's rings sing but we don't know they do because there's no medium between us and saturn to carry those pulses if there was a medium if air existed they would sing to us but we all we know is they vibrate and so we can simulate what they would sound like does that make sense so the experience of sound Correct. Doesn't exist. Noise and sound an ear. Sure. only exist because an ear and a brain and an observer mm -hmm. are there with the experience yep. of the pulses. All right? That's step one. We're going to kind of circulate it back around and why this is important. Step two, you light a candle, right? Light a candle and place it in the middle of the room. The flame that you see is merely hot gas. That's all, that's all that the flame is. It's merely hot gas, and like any other source of light, it emits photons or packets of electromagnetic energy. Um, each consists of electrical and magnetic pulses. Um, this is the science of light. Uh, it, it, these electromagnetic pulses are waves, sinusoidal waves. So electricity and magnetism do not have visual properties. We know that, right? That's why you can't see magnets, you can't see electricity in the, in the wall. So on its own, there should be nothing inherently visual but let that same electromagnetic wave strike a human eye, retina, and if and only if the waves that are emitted happen to be between 400 and 700 nanometers in length from crest to crest, um, then the energy is just right to deliver a stimulus to the 8 million cone-shaped cells in the retina that is in your eye. So this signal gets sent to, uh, to the occipital lobe in the back of the brain, the visual cortex, where a cascading complex of neurons fire, and we subjectively, quote, see or perceive this as a yellow brightness. So it sounds like what you're getting to is without the physical things that we have that help us interpret the world. Observations. Right, our observational senses. There's nothing inherently right. visual about hot gas. Right. It's just electromagnetics. It's, electri it's electricity and magnetism. That's all mm -hmm. light is, is electricity and magnetism. Right. That's it. The point, there's no yellow light. At most, there's just an invisible stream of electrical and magnetic pulses, waves. And we are totally necessary for the experience of what we would call a yellow flame. That is, like, we are 100% necessary for a yellow flame to exist. You remove an eyeball, you remove a brain, you remove an observer, there's no light. Light doesn't exist without an eye, without an observer. Now, we kind of get to the weirdness of everything. Um, 
the reason I brought those two things to the surface here, and I'm talking about sound and I'm talking about light, um, us as humans are very uh, unique to the earth, the experience of observing the earth, because we can articulate the things that we see and we experience and we can project future outcomes unlike any other animal like humans are the only animals that can predict the future um that's why a dog runs out in front of a car because it doesn't understand that the car could hit it if it runs out in front of it um we predict the future we know these things this is where things get really weird though I know I might have talked to you guys about this before, um, but there is something called uh, the dual slit experiment. Um, uh, if, if you guys, you guys know about the like wave particle duality in physics, I'm gonna give you guys a crash course real quick. <laughs> the, the 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 faces are fun. Um, uh, so wave. Oh 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 yeah yeah the dual slit experiment yeah yeah, yeah yes okay, of yeah. course wave oh. particle duality so. Um, we talked about photons, we talked about packets of energy, light. Light is inherently a wave and a particle depending on how you measure it. So the dual slit experiment, basically what happened was, if you can imagine yourself in a room, a room let's say like this, but it had, four, it had four walls, ceiling and floor, and away from the wall, let's say two feet away from the wall, there is a partition that goes from floor to ceiling and it covers the entire wall except for two slits. They are six inches wide and five feet tall. And there's two of them. And let's say for example, just for fun, I'm gonna cover one of those up. And if I were to get in the back of the room and if I were to take, uh, let's say a, a gun that shoots golf balls and I shoot at that slit, a thousand golf balls, some are gonna go through, some are going to bounce off the outside. But if I shoot enough, they're gonna create a pattern behind the slit, um, indentations in the drywall in the same shape of that, um, the opening. That makes sense, right? So these physicists, uh, they realized that they could take um, photons and shoot them at a slit. And now photon is a packet of energy, it has no mass. Um, that's why it works, that's why it behaves like a wave or like a particle. It has no mass, so it can kind of go back and forth. Um, and this is why they call it the wave particle duality is because um, with one slit, they were able to shoot photons and it, they went through the slit and created a pattern behind in exactly the shape, in, in exact, exactly the shape of the slit when they shot enough behind it. But then something interesting happened when they opened the second slit and let's just say um, one is to the left and one is to the right and they're kind of equally split in the room. Um, when they opened them up, now let's just for fun, let's say this room, uh, you fill you fill this room like let's say three quarters full of water um, uh, or even let's say half full of water. So some of the slits are is exposed and some is not, some of it's underwater. And you were to take a bowling ball and you were to drop a bowling ball in the, in the middle of the room, it's gonna send a wave through the room, right? And it's gonna go through both slits at the same time and it's gonna strike the wall um, behind those slits uh, and it's gonna create um, a wave pattern behind each behind each of those openings and the wave pattern is gonna kind of be, it's like a, a target 
um, circles that are continuing outwards and the further out you go the the more diminished they become but those the the, the slit on the right and the slit on the left the waves go through both at the same time and then those patterns interfere with each other and so those are called interference patterns um, and that's how you can tell um, a wave versus a particle so if I shoot if, if I shoot light so we're, we're back to the experiment and the, you shoot photons at this at both at both slits you shoot a photon enough times through it doesn't create the square shape behind it creates interference patterns so when there's two slits, all of a sudden, the photons act like a wave and not like a part. And, and that's how they were like, we don't understand how it's doing this because when there's one slit, it, it acts like a particle, it just strikes behind. But when there's two slits, all of a sudden it creates interference patterns like a wave. And they're like, so that's the wave-particle duality of photons. Then this crazy guy um, decided what happens when I do this with an electron. An electron has mass. It's the smallest subatomic particle without breaking down into quarks or anything. It's the smallest one. It's about 1 20th the size of a proton or a neutron. And it's it's, I mean, it's so tiny, but you can measure the mass of an electron. You can. Um, but things with mass are particles. They are not waves. We know that. Um, and so this guy was like, I'm gonna shoot a bunch of proton or a bunch of electrons because there's we have electron guns. You can shoot electrons. He's like, I'm gonna shoot electrons um, through this. I'm gonna do the the dual set experiment, but I'm gonna do it with a particle with mass. And so it was shooting these electrons um, through a single slit, and it exactly the same thing created a perfectly square pattern right behind the one slit, which was amazing. But then it opened up the second slit, and there's two. And so then they they shot. Uh, these electrons uh, to go, it, and these electrons, electrons with mass went through both of the slits at the same time and created interference patterns on the uh, on the test observe uh, on the test sheet behind the slits. And it didn't make sense because electrons are particles; they're not waves, but they were acting like waves, and it didn't make sense. So they're like, you know what? Let's let's not let's not shoot a thousand let's shoot one let's shoot one electron through both slits I'd like let's aim it and let's see what happens and they shot they closed they closed one of them up and they shot an electron through and it passed through just like a particle would it struck the um, the sheet behind it and they're like that's perfect and then when they opened up that second slit so there's two slits they shot one particle one electron through it went through both and create an interference pattern within itself. It acted like a wave and they didn't understand. They're like, this doesn't make sense. Why is an electron that has mass acting like a wave? We can measure the mass. It shouldn't, it should act like a particle. It doesn't make sense. They're like, okay, let's put a small measuring device on one of the, on one of the slits to see how much of the electron is going through. So that way we can see if maybe it's splitting and going through both. I mean, because we just don't understand what's going on. So they put this little measuring device on it, and the moment they turned that measuring device on, the electron went back to a particle and only went through one slit. So the electron, a subatomic particle, just a particle, knew it was being observed.
and it changed its behavior when we tried to measure it. They kept that measuring device there, but they turned it off, boom, back to a wave and it went through both. The electron knew when it was being watched. That doesn't make sense. That, so then they were like, what if we do this with a proton, which is huge, acted like a wave. They're like, what if we did it with a molecule with five protons, acted like a wave. Then they're like, okay, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because there's something called probability in wave functions. Like an electron, we don't know where electrons are in the orbit of an atom, but there's a probability. Like we, it's called the wave probability. Like it, there's, it's a, it's gonna be somewhere within this wave probability, right? We don't know where it is until you measure it, and that wave function collapses into a reality where it's right here. Does that make sense? Once you measure it, the probability falls to zero, and you have an actuality. And so what was happening is this electron was passing through both because we were not measuring it because the probability of it going through left or right was 100% and 100%. It's kind of like, you guys know Schrodinger's cat? Um, that it, it, Schrodinger had a cat and he had this, this, this radioactive decay and there was a 50-50 chance that it would kill the cat in 24 hours. And so we put it in there and his theory was that there was a 100% chance that the cat is alive and a 100% chance that the cat is dead. And both of those are probable. And so the, it, it's, they're both wave functions. And when he opens the lid to look at the cat, one of the wave functions collapses into reality and one vanishes. And so all of a sudden, boom, the cat's alive. And so that, that wave probability, that wave function collapsed into actuality only when it was observed. But when it wasn't observed, both existed at the same time. But now we have these experiments that are showing the probability of things happening is they're both, they're all happening at the same time. And so, so then, so then the question becomes, okay, well, how big can we make this molecule? Because like at some point it becomes from microscopic to macroscopic, right? And a wave, you can't see a wave. It's like an electron, a proton, a neutron, you can't see it. It doesn't matter how big it is. A wave is a, it's a, it's a probability. Like it's, it's, it could be somewhere within here until we measure. Once we measure or observe, once we observe it, those wave functions collapse into a reality and we can see it. So then the question becomes like, well, what about a golf ball? Could you shoot a golf ball at two slits and it goes through both if we're not looking at it? Because they got up to a, a, a molecule with 127 protons. 127 big. It's fucking huge in, in quantum scales. And it went through both. It created an interference pattern behind there. And this is the most current data that I have. I think it's, the experiment has gone on since then but 127, so the question becomes, it was when we, they were not observing, when they couldn't see it, it was happening on both because the probability is 100% on left and 100% on right. But when you look at it, one of those collapses into reality and one vanishes. So then the question becomes very simple. Does the moon exist if you don't look at it? And that's a very real question. Because, I mean, somebody's looking at the moon at all times. like around the earth. But what about in your room when you're sleeping? And for me specifically, like here, 
I'm the only one here. There's no observation going on. The moment I wake up, that you're aware of. <laughs> so far. Well, I have, I have, I have little tapes over my yeah. com computer uh, cameras. But when I sleep, all, everything that is around me exists in wave probability because there is nothing to observe it. And the moment my eyes open, those wave probabilities collapse into the reality that I know. So the real question, does the moon exist if we're not looking at it, is a very real question. Because if I can shoot something with mass at both holes and it goes through both until you observe it, and once you observe it, then it only goes through one or only goes through the other, something inherently knows that it's being watched and changes its behavior only when it's being watched. Does not sound like a subatomic particle. It sounds like a computer program that knows to change its behavior once it is being viewed. Because when you walk through Red Dead Redemption, and if I am walking straight and everything on my screen has been populated in the, in the computer, in that video game, everything behind me doesn't exist yeah. until you start to rotate and the computer renders those images as you observe them. So those wave functions collapse in the computer to become the reality that you see in front of you. So right now behind me, nothing exists for me until I turn. Disprove that, Andy. The refrigerator's right there. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where, this is where, and see the funny thing is, he didn't realize, he didn't, he didn't see uh, Robert Lanza that was doing all these, uh, basically he was ex ex expulculating all these crazy experiments and he thought the nature of the universe revolves around life because life observes it. So he was saying, before humans, before life existed, the entire universe was wave probability. There was no light, there was nothing. It was just a bunch of wave probability in the moment that we were able to observe, whatever time or place, whatever that was, those wave functions collapsed into the reality that we know. And now we're living in a, in a reality. But before humans, because we observe. And when we observe, the observation changes the behavior of the things. But if you get rid of every bit of observation, light doesn't exist, sound doesn't exist, particles don't exist, only probability. And if that probability exists because the computer is literally programming as you look, it knows that the blade of grass is going to be here or going to be there could be one or the other but you don't know what it's going to be until you look at it and then it those probabilities collapse into an actuality that we live so biocentrism the book had some right but i think he missed the mark i don't think it's biocentrism i don't think the the center of the universe is life i think that that experiment definitively proves that we are not living in a world that we understand if this isn't a computer simulation. Hmm. I think this definitively proves that this is a computer simulation because how do you change the behavior of an electron and if this isn't a computer simulation? So we keep, we keep using 
you know the concept of a computer simulation mm-hmm. or a video game because that's what our that's what we that's what our brains to, go to connect to um, again that you know could be something 500 million generations beyond what we think of as a computer right it's you know where the two are the you know biology and technology are, are somehow merged in some way what I think is kind of interesting though um, about about what you just said is that um, you know there's this search for meaning for humans and this uh, search for understanding of the universe and so we go to religion um, you know in droves we you know there's these massive world religions that um, I've been a part of and, and you know yeah. we've all been a part of to some degree um, and then it sounds like like to a, you know someone who's an evangelical Christian listening to this episode you get here and you say okay the demons are working in <laughs> these guys and there's, you know there's a, there's all this influence of all this you know horrible stuff but the reality is the two don't have to be mutually exclusive no again you know, because when you think about what um, what we call religion, you know, let's just take Christianity, for example, because I think it's what we're all most familiar with. Um, it is like like it's just not we don't use the word simulation, but what you know, what is it? It is a person created or, a, you know, God, not a person, sorry, God created this thing we don't understand this being that we don't comprehend yeah. because they're of their bigness and their Elon right so God created and then you know the story goes we screwed up God fixed yeah everything's okay yeah simulation right it's just not it's, we're just not using that word yeah so again that you know they're these things are not um, I just don't think it's mutually exclusive that you have to um, you know maybe the simulation we're living in is you know what what we call religion maybe maybe it's not but what I'm saying is I guess that it's not um, they don't have to be opposite theories here I think yeah, they work, they work yeah. together very well and it, and it for me gives more meaning and I think understanding and ease with the idea of religion yeah yeah well I mean it It would solve so many of the weird things. I mean, UFOs. Yeah. Like what? Mm-hmm. Aliens. What? Ghosts. Bigfoot. The Mandela effect. The, I didn't look up what that is. I don't the even. Man, know. You don't know what the Mandela effect? Okay. I know we gotta we gotta wrap up soon, but I do have to. The Mandela minutes. effect is a big deal with all this because. Does, does the Monopoly Man have a mono, monocle or not? He doesn't. I mean, I think he does. I don't know. It sounds this like is the could. Mandela effect. Yeah. So the Mandela effect is. I can't believe you don't know about this. So I mean, you just explained yeah. wave theory to yeah, like yeah. some nth degree. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Here's what... me and Andy with Google, <laughs> <laughs> fucking taking Mark to school. So the Mandela effect is this idea. I'm sure as soon as you explain it, I'm gonna we be like, have oh, yeah. we have shared multiple realities in our memories. So. Um, I'll go with the mo- the big one that that's really obvious. Not the oh, one that's named oh. after. Hang on. I think I know what you're, you're going to say. Hang on. Yeah, hang on. Go, go, go. 
did Sinbad. Yes, I know. I yes. star in a movie where he was a genie. Yeah, yeah. He you did. know how I know? Because I fucking saw it. Yeah, me too. I saw that, <laughs> and movie. I was excited to see it. Yeah, right. It, what was it called? Um, Shazam. Shazam. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't. Right. So there, there, but there's a lot of stuff like that. The reason it's named the Mandela what, effect what is because mean? a lot of people have this memory that Mandela died in prison. Nelson Mandela, the South African president, but he didn't. He didn't die well, in prison. That would be like um, uh, his name. This guy's name is uh, uh, Dean Kamen. He was the creator of the Segway. Mm-hmm. He died on the Segway by riding it off the cliff. He didn't though. Everyone like there's this massive uh, like everyone anyone that knows anything about the Segway. Yeah, Dean yeah. Kamen, who made, invented it died by riding the Segway off the side of the mountain. And yeah. his mom called him and be like, so did you die? And he's Man- like, no. <laughs> the Mandela effect is, I think, one of the strongest because it's so real. Like people have just packed, like you know that you remember something. And I think this happens on a small scale too, right? Like me and my wife, you know, we have different memories about a conversation that happened or didn't happen or, you know, yeah. like yeah. That, that, you know, that happens I think on a big scale where a lot of people have these shared memories of things that aren't real at all, and then it happens on a small scale in our lives every day. I think that's you know a pretty clear. Uh, our cognitive uh, ability to recall information is poor. But what's the statistic? We only use ten percent of our brain capacity. No, or... no, no. We use a hundred percent of our brain all the time. It's our brain coordinates differently. I hate when people say that. He would be like, hey, he's he 12. hates you. He oh, hates you, know, you know. Well, I yeah. hate the person. I hate when people, <laughs> they say, I like the moon shining. By God, the way. I Andy, see it. Jesus, God, no, you a hundred percent of your brain is being used a hundred percent of the time. Um, it coordinates differently. Um, like you don't use your temporal lobe to sense reality. You know, it's like stuff like that. So at any given time, you're coordinating ten to fifteen percent, but hundred percent, hundred percent of the time. Continue. Yes, sorry. That, that's, I hate when people are like, you're only using 10%. I'm going to take this NZT pill and it's going to access 100% of my brain. Thanks, Bradley Cooper. If I could have any and, superpower, like, like that would be it, though. Oh, my to God. Be, to be super smart like that. Well, see, like, that'd it, be it. Well, it, honestly, what would make you, like, what would make your superpower incredible would, it would be the ability to recall every bit of information that yeah. ever came. That's, that, I mean. that's it. Yeah. I mean, nothing else. If you could recall every bit of information that came in, first of all, you would you would you would die because it would just be an overload of information in your um, digital brain. In your digital brain, yeah, hundred percent. But that would be the most incredible superpower ever because every name, every person you pass, every license plate you see on the highway, everything, the, pat- everything. the patterns of the stock market. The- oh my god, you'd be you'd be rich so fast. You'd be rich so fast. Yeah, you'd be able to yeah, analyze every bit of information. Ah, regardless. Anyways, that was a complete fun tangent. Um, I think your point, though, <clears throat> is very plausible for me, which is you remove the word computer from simulation mm-hmm. and put it in context of, of what we know and feel here. And we, now we, I'm much further down. Yeah, that. Well, yeah. The, we, only, we call it a computer simulation because that's the only thing that can project a simulation right now in our reality is a computer. Like, we yeah. can't project a simulation from a fridge, you know, it's, it's like, it doesn't work. So um, that's our limited ability to understand a simulation. But here's the scary part. We create simulations. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we literally have a game called The Sims. 
And in that game, and we also have Second World. And in that, you can create sims in those. So if this, if computer simulations exist, or if, no, let's take computer word out. If simulations exist in this universe, that means simulations can create simulations, which can propagate, which can populate. And if that's the case, then, and this is where I sit, that there is about a one in a billion chance that this is base reality. Mm-hmm. So to take it back to Elon one more time, <laughs> and I think this is where I got really, really far. Um, forgive me, I don't even remember if I said this already. I'm not sure. Um, Glitch. So the, there's these, there's these, you know, three kind of principles that this philosopher said. One of them must be true, and Elon boiled this down to, you know, we are so we're advancing technology so fast that we're, we are creating simulations. We're going to create even better ones eventually. The fact that that happens means that the likelihood that we are the base reality mm-hmm. is about one is in a billion. Unreal. Yep. That it, it makes no sense that we would be the base reality when we know that these simulations are going to probably, if we don't kill ourselves. See that, but that's just the thing. Exist. We know that they could exist. Therefore, they do exist. And if they do exist, that means we are the existence of the simulation. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, it's simulation upon simulation. But when we as humans run simulations, what are we trying to accomplish? Nothing. There's not a goal. You do it because you can. Yeah. Like I, We create sims, and what do we do? We, we create sims that are us. And what do they do? They fucking live. And then they just do whatever they do. Aren't experiment simulations? Uh, uh, define. Scientific experiments. How are they different than simulations? Uh, it depends on what experiment you're running. I mean, I, I can run an experiment that's not a so simulation. So I'm going kind of the opposite direction. We're talking about simulation, but is it a grand experiment to try to get it perfect and reality doesn't exist yet? It's going to exist once the right simulation is discovered. Oh, so you're saying this is all a test experiment for for something utopia or or you, to... we're far from utopia <laughs> they left this experiment maybe that's why all the evil exists is because this experiment went so poorly yeah. wrong aliens exist they're just like fuck you guys we're like, like, there's <laughs> other theories i've read that are like the, the experiment or the simulations exist to figure out what went wrong oh, that's interesting. how did we fuck up you know that maybe post-human society came to learn that we you know we didn't do a great job in one way or another somehow and then the simulation exists to figure out you know where was the real problem so they're you're in a sense going back well there we know that it was they're going back to watch Donald John Trump <laughs> that's at that point when that happened they were like yeah let's just give up <laughs> <laughs> these guys like what happened? Fucking human beings, piece of shit humans. Oh man, you That's... had you could have impeached him. You could twice. Have... <laughs> so that means he's innocent, right? Mm. No, it means they're all guilty. Can you imagine if you were on trial, or if there was a trial, and they said, "All right, the jury is fifty percent Democrat." Fifty percent, you know, just the fact that it's like a like a partisan thing at all, and he's not tried in a court of law. I like, uh, yeah, it's not. He's not tried in a court of law. He's tried 
by senators. Right. Imagine if you could go commit a crime, <laughs> go t- and have a jury of your peers who were co-conspirators. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I like how Mitch McConnell was like... He did it. Yeah, he's like, he did it. He's, yeah, like, he, he's like, he incited... He's 100% responsible. The insurrection. He's 100% responsible. He caused the violence. We must also, acquit. Not guilty. Not guilty. Yeah, not guilty. <laughs> Mitch McConnell. What a frog. Anyway. So here we are. After all of what we just talked about, how has your percentage of this being a simulation been affected in any capacity? Talking about the behavior of subatomic particles changing when they are observed to the weirdness of the things that we see every single day and the 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 chance that there could be a simulation therefore this has to be a simulation has anything changed from the beginning of this conversation till now about because that's where i said it, i'm at 99.999 nine nine percent sure we are in a simulation and i don't think this is this is my first iteration i think that this is like my sixth or seventh i also don't think it's time sensitive like i could reiterate back 100 years ago or 300 years from now and there would be no memory of of anything so um since i started on a path of um deconstruction from christianity yeah um, I, and I've only told a little bit of that story, really haven't gone super deep I- into that. Um, I would say I've learned to be more um, agnostic, for lack of a better word, that I can acknowledge that I don't understand everything while still acknowledging that things could be, you know, this could, you know, these are possibilities. These are very real possibilities um so to answer your question um i'd say i'd say we moved the needle a little bit for me tonight in the sense that um uh i know i did a really poor job explaining the gravity of how those experiments like the gravity of those no you didn't so you drew a pretty good picture uh i was a little lost at first but but um, you said slit so many times um, <laughs> that I started, double slit I started to catch on. Yeah. Um, no, I think I've, I've, you know, the needle has been moved for me a little bit. Um, 99%. No. <laughs> I mean, he, so here's what I would say. I don't even want to give a, give a, I, a, a do, number I, because... I need quantification. What I would say is I am more comfortable with the idea of it because it doesn't, it just doesn't change anything. For me today, I'm gonna drive home tonight. You are. Um, I'm. A, I love my children and my wife, and you I'm are. gonna. You know, I have a great family. I have people around me that I love. I get to um, laugh on a podcast with you that you know, twelve, twelve or fifteen people like. <laughs> um, All six people. That was yeah. There. I mean, like my life doesn't change as a result of this right i think the very first time i ever heard simulation theory 
I, my, the wall went up because it was like no bullshit because that means everything's fake. It was, you know who it was? It was Josh Kessner. <laughs> Josh Kessner uh, said something about, you know, everything Years might ago. be fake. Oh, a long time ago. And I was just like, no, fuck, fuck that. You know, like that because it was so challenging because it meant everything, nothing is real. Everything yeah. is fake. Everything's this illusion. Maybe it is, but, you know, I can enjoy the illusion the best that, you know it doesn't like it doesn't change real. right it doesn't change the the nuts and bolts of what my life looks like and what i value and what i put my time into and what right. what i care about it doesn't mean it, so, it doesn't mean it's not real. I, you know i'm not gonna say I, I, you know what percentage it is you know what i will say is i'm more comfortable with the idea of it it doesn't challenge me the way it did man it it wrecks me like i it, but it doesn't mean that the pain and the love that I feel doesn't exist. That's real. Um, and my feeling like I need to create purpose on this earth to do as much good as I can. Those, those are real regardless of if this earth is even exists. Like if this is a giant Truman show, you know, it's that's, that's how, how did we not program. get into the Truman show yet? That's we talked around it. Did we? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The Truman show. <laughs> we were talking about the moon and limits and yeah you're right yeah yeah i mean it doesn't mean it's like real is perception you know like christianity was real and it's in, in when i was in it the things i experienced were real and now they might not be but it didn't mean it wasn't real for me at the time and I don't have like this grand <laughs> resolve. So I don't know your your full story there, but <clears throat> Christianity, right? You believe in an afterlife. Is is the simulation to get to that point? Oh man, I'm so shocked that I didn't even think about this. So th there is one simulation theory that states that the whole goal of the simulation is to get to the next level and you will continue you will continue to be um regenerated in this world that we know um until you like quote level up uh into the next level whatever that means sounds like scientology <laughs> but it gets like this one was a little weird i kind of wrote off some of it but some of it was really interesting because once you level up you actually exit this simulation into another one and you can keep going until you hit base reality and that was the whole idea is you you keep leveling up and what like what institutes a level up no clue i don't, I don't have any idea what you would have to do or pray or think to go to that next level <laughs> also in this theory um the planets controlled the simulation so like mars and the moon so it's scientology is that what scientology is i think so i think it's pretty close <laughs> well super interesting joking was, aside yeah. when we talk about um uh you know religious beliefs around the world and reincarnation and leveling up i mean it's easy to go to scientology right yeah. um but um hinduism right mm -hmm. uh is the religion that has reincarnation in it yeah. so i mean to me the, the that's the plausible explanation mm -hmm. is that uh, call it simulation if you want, call it experimentation, whatever it is. It's that uh, my under, my very 
basic level understanding of Hinduism is you've got these reincarnations, but at some point in time, you achieve that that next state, and isn't that like what the Dalai Lama is? <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> um, enlightenment, I think, is really enlightenment. Um, which is funny. I always talked about enlightenment. Um, I know we're wrapping up. Um, uh, we can always have a part two. Bro. Yeah, I feel like a part <laughs> like, two is there's, probably. <laughs> there's just so much here that I mean, I like I talked. We joked about this in the beginning. Um, I I feel like I need to have an uh, an ayahuasca retreat. I think I'm gonna go down to Peru <laughs> and spend a week and um, drink the ayahuasca tea. And like every single person that I talk to that have had that has had this, and I mean, there's not only a few, only a handful. Um, the things that they experience um, sound a lot like disconnecting from the simulation for a short period of time, um, because it doesn't enlighten you to new things it shows you that everything that you knew was already within you but it brings those to the surface kind of like cuts through the shit allows you to process through pain and shit that you've never done and then allows things to come to the surface that need it's really 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 interesting um i think i'm gonna do it i i need to do it probably once this house is finished in a um i mean hopefully i get this finished in the next three or four weeks um and then i mean take a trip and just disappear um this guy did 100 days or 150 days um just in the jungle by himself it was wild um but i don't necessarily if you if you ever watch if you're on netflix there's a documentary called the last shaman um real super interesting you guys should watch it it's about that but i mean do drugs have the ability to mess with the coherency of the system being plugged in yes yes they do and if that's the case <laughs> what is there a secret cocktail that disconnects you entirely and does that mean you're dead is that just an overdose or did you level up fentanyl <laughs> part two coming up yeah we all get real baked and <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to that. So what I would enjoy, really, is... Have you ever done DMT? No. Really? No. I, I, you ready for the list of drugs that I've done? It's yeah. probably about as long as Andy's. Um, I've done some edible marijuana. And I microdosed mushrooms like twice. And it was, I mean, a true microdose. Okay. That is it. So, because what you're talking about, ayahuasca... Yes. I've heard the exact same things about DMT. Yeah. There's this, uh, you know. But it doesn't, um, DMT doesn't cause you to shit your pants and throw up. It's a 15 minute, you know. Ayahuasca is a week long. You go there and then uh, you come back and there's there's cool shit that you hear about. Like, um, you know, there's these people, independent stories and accounts of seeing (coughs) these certain wolves, right? And then come to find out on the other side of the world, there's this specific wolf that is eating this plant that has DMT. So it's like this, like, you know, they're seeing these wolves. The wolves are, you know, it's it's like this other place that you go to where it's all connected. Anyway, we got to get you some DMT. Andy and I will observe. (laughs) No, no, no. We got to do this together. (laughs) No, 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 no. We're going to get you some DMT. And then we're going to talk about it on... uh, As it's happening? Yeah. This will hold you down to make we'll sure nothing bad happens. Right. Everything's okay. I need somebody to do it with me. Would you do it with me? No. And then he observes? No. no. Oh, 
<laughs> Sam, it's it's okay. <laughs> Sam is Andy's wife. Sam, if you're listening, we love you. But we're gonna go on a cruise. Andy's doing <laughs> DMT right now. <laughs> They're lying to you. <laughs> don't snort that. <laughs> I don't know how you do. Do you smoke it? I think you smoke it. Uh, yeah, I think you I do. think you do. Yeah. Don't drink the DMT. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. This is a weird episode. We're in the fucking matrix. 